It's a sensitive, delicate deal, dragging brand new songs out of the sky. Trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant, and this is Digging Deep. Hello, my name is Matt Everett, and I'm very pleased to welcome you to Digging Deep with Robert Plant, Season Two. This is the podcast where in each episode, Robert himself enters his back catalogue to investigate, evaluate and celebrate a song of his choosing. As you'll know, if you've been listening to season one, we span the whole of Robert's career thus far, touching down at different points from way back when to right here and right now. And we have news of a very special music release from Robert connected to that journey. So keep listening for info on that at the end of this show. So let's get started. If you're a new listener, hello. And if you're a friend already, welcome back. This is Digging Deep. This is season two of Digging Deep. I am Matt Everett and I'm back once again with Robert Plant. Hello, I'm Robert Plant and I'm back (laughs) in bits and pieces from yet another tour. But um, yeah, there's stuff to say. You must have enjoyed the first season enough to want to do a second one. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> you did it. You don't have to hear it. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's a funny, it's a strange thing because the, the idea of becoming familiar with songs from another time, you kind of end up as a voyeur in the end to your own condition going back to then, you know. Um, so it is odd because when when you're in the, sort of conceiving songs, working on songs and playing them in, touring with them in the present tense is one thing. But I'm intrigued by some of the uh, mood and atmosphere and flippance and innuendo and stuff that is not always, doesn't always stand the test of time, but there's no reason why we can't enjoy the the errors as well as moments that are quite okay by me okay so let's start with uh, a song from 2005 from mighty rearranger this is tin pan valley from the album mighty rearranger from april 2005 Who is the mighty rearranger? Well, you are. I am. <laughs> we are, anybody who has a resolve 
and can actually just, you know, change stuff that's going on by their own deliberations. Yeah, it's a very positive character. It's uh, an intent for yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. There is only good. Uh, before we get to the song specifically, the album, uh, what, what was your state of mind for the Mighty Rearranger recording sessions? Well, we, we convened Strange Sensation, which became the Sensational Space Shifters. We kind of came together in about 2001. I had a band prior to that called The Priory of Brian. And um, we'd taken on some gigs in Scandinavia and the, the group dissolved and uh, there were some outstanding shows. That's quite often how bands really start kicking in when they're actually um, fulfilling contracts for sections of a previous group. So if you're left holding the baby and it's got your name on the contract, so um, that's what you do. You go out to these far-flung places. And so we went off into the back hills of Sweden as Strange Sensation, and we recorded... We ended up in Tallinn in Estonia and we began to piece together the beginnings of um, Dreamland, which was the first album we made. And um, it was very exciting because the actual uh, constituent parts of our musical personalities were really interesting. We got Clive Deemer and Johnny Baggett from Portishead and uh, Justin Adams from Jar Wobble. Uh, Paul Thompson from The Cure, and Charlie Jones from uh, more or less everything that I'd done since about 1989, great bass player. So we had this amazing, great meld of all these different musical influences. So we'd I'd kind of left the, the 70s and 80s and behind, made my way through the 90s in... Um, all sorts of states of repair and disrepair and found myself with these guys in Estonia in a recently freed country from the Russian grip. And optimism was everywhere. It was just amazing. The people of Estonia were skinny and thrilled. I mean, it was amazing to be playing the places that we played. Um, it's always been my want to go to interesting places and see what's going on, you know, what the story is. And um, so while we were there, we started shaping up Dreamland. And Dreamland was, my point, Dreamland was an album of covers. There was one track last time I saw it, which was an original. So we were getting into each other's groove and um, just exploring where these things go. Um, and it was phenomenal, really. It was just such an adventure. Uh, we went back to Rack Studios and we recorded, started recording at Mickey Most's place and Dreamland was born and then time went on and um, we toured round and round and round and at that time Paul Thompson left the band uh, and Skin Tyson joined us who was and still is quite often in cast and we started writing again um, down in around the West Country and Mighty Rearranger began. And it was finally we were able to, having played together so much, we there was a great exchange of energies and person, musical personalities, which gave us a particularly uh, dynamic set of tracks. And, I mean, the backing tracks themselves were 
insane. I mean, there's a track called Takamba, which uh, Takamba is a kind of rhythm and a, a pace that's set by the Tuareg in the South Sahara, which is a rhythm that is, it, which actually, if you like, is based on the lope of a running racing camel. <laughs> that's amazing yeah but i mean yeah but it really works when you're playing that particular kind of music so we recorded loads and loads of different feel of music we were up in the welsh mountains recording and and um back down in around bristol and stuff it was a great mood in the air Pan Valley was sort of born out of the the sort of massive attack, the shell of that that part of massive attack and Porter's head that was kind of part extreme dub, but as a conventional song, Tin Pan Valley was born halfway up a beautiful mountain in uh, not far from Aberystwyth, which had been pretty close to where Paige and I had been many years before that and um, and I think it really kind of really shows the energy and the zest and the kind of um, I suppose the lilt of where the band was at so the, these the verses would be lyrical statements of my incessant need not to become too much of a parody or you know some kind of phony playing soup in the basket re rehashes of zeppelin but inevitably doing that sooner or later but so tin pan valley is the my testament that i tried to live by and uh lyrically it it makes my points about tedium and success and there's some kind of algebraic equation that where you you either have joy at the end of a gig or you have you know, a sort of same old stuff. So we were creating more and more music that would explode at the same time as sort of nuance. It's it's crazy, really, because I'm obsessed by other people's lyrics and seeing where, imagining where mindset comes from, uh, and uh, based on people's personalities and how they choose to write and what to what amount of brevity or flippance or whatever it might be, um, and so. I have great respect for lyrics and it's amazing how some artists are considered amazing lyricists and other people are great singers you know some people never write a song 
Elvis didn't write a song. This is true. You know, but he could sing the hell out of everybody else's. So the challenge has been to write and really get behind how I was feeling about stuff. And I think that um, Tin Pan Valley kind of really, it's a sort of cockeyed arrogance. That's how I probably see it now. Yeah. Lyric, I'm turning down the talk shows, the humour and the couch. I'm moving on to higher ground. I've found a new way out. Hmm. You know, it's 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 positive, though. You Absolutely, know, it's, yeah. It's the line in the second verse. There's power of souls and barbecues and lounges by the pool. The late night conversations filled with 20th century cool. It's very evocative of a certain, that certain world that mm, is yeah. sustain, it sustains itself by the idea of celebrity without necessarily having the substance in it, I think, if I'm right in my analysis. Well, it's whatever you want it to be, but the truth of the matter is it's what people choose to do and be and and live in the rarefied air of that environment. And, you know, it's for me, it's somewhere to be avoided unless it's at the back of a quality inn somewhere in um, Boise, Idaho. There's a pool there. And there's a bus outside with the engine running. Is there, yeah, is there always been an internal internal voice that's just checking the decisions that you make and just thinking that's interesting that sounds interesting but maybe that's not the right path maybe not as obvious as this but just is there always that dialogue going on no no not really it's just moments when i feel i've got it i'm on the right track then there's a time to celebrate that Mm. with an amount of with exactly that lyric you know i think i'm i was on the right track Everybody that sings must feel like that because it's a pretty lonesome place to be. Especially, you know, is that is that one of the reasons why 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 you like assembling these musicians that are able to keep throwing things, unexpected things, keep you... So you can't ever second-guess yourself, I guess. Well, the thing is that with the space, Sensational Space Shifters, its intention is absolutely to be spot-on every night and stretch it yeah. and shout at each other while we're playing because it's good it's it's you have to encourage each other it's a bit like being in a rodeo you know if you're a part of the band but at the same time i'm not really doing much a lot of the time i'm just enjoying what they're doing what the, what's going on around me so yeah it's stimulation yeah yeah and it's interesting always interesting when you hear people singing about themselves and you know that it's come from an from a real place yeah it's not gone away either
That was Digging Deep with Robert Plant, episode seven, the start of a new season. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. At the top of the show, we promised you some exciting news about a new release from Robert, and that's what we have for you now. So after the brilliant reception that the first season of Digging Deep received, Robert has decided to release a special limited edition box set featuring eight seven-inch singles to accompany this, the second season. Also entitled Digging Deep, the set is being released on Robert's own Esperanza label and features songs spanning three decades. There's hit singles, rare B-sides and tracks from each of his solo albums. Uh, There's songs including Little by Little, Hurting Kind, Calling to You and Big Log. What's more, this is the first time the remastered versions of these tunes have been available on vinyl and they come in this beautiful bespoke hardback book format, including the restored original 7-inch artwork. It's a thing of beauty. It's all coming out on Friday the 13th of December, but you can pre-order it right now. You can get more information at robertplant.com. We'll be back soon, so be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget, you can hear previous episodes on your podcast provider as well. Thanks very much for listening. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production. Cup and Nuzzle.